You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to the Drive Time Show again here at Voice of Islam. We bring you again two uh, interesting topics that we'll be discussing today. Uh, but this, but most importantly, this is your program, and your input is very, very important. With me, uh, I'm joined by my friend, uh, brother. Don't for, you forget my name. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just had a little pause, um, just to you know give you a lot more uh, respect. Give me more love, yeah. yeah exactly. Like yeah. Thank you so much, so, for that. brother Safir. How you been? Yes, uh, good, uh, Rahil. Uh, thank you very much. Very kind, uh, kind of you to uh, that pause. That pause that also pause, shows. Yes. <laughs> you know, it also shows a long, you know, a long day we've had. Yes, right? yes. Okay. No, uh, Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, uh, everything is good, and I think uh, mm-hmm. we'll have a great show today. Two very, Absolutely. very interesting topics that I'm mm-hmm. sure our listeners will love as well. Absolutely. I mean, we're discussing in the uh, <coughs> first hour nature, uh, the best medicine. Uh, we will look around various methods, uh, you know, and 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 things and and. You know certain things one can do within the within the life in order to improve their health naturally, whether it's to do with natural environment and health benefits. You know things related to you know if you if you've heard of earthing, you know people walking bare feet, and basically you know making small changes to your lifestyle in order to benefit. Uh, you know uh, from the environment that we live in. And in the sec- second hour, uh, we will all, we will be, we'll be discussing fascinating facts. A series of did you knows, and in that, uh, in the second hour, we will be covering, you know, exploring actually some fascinating facts which could become conversation starters when we may need them. Mm, absolutely, and uh, if you are listening in, and if you want to, uh, you know, uh, base touch with us, then uh, get do get in contact. The number is uh, we always uh, uh, tell you that zero two zero eight six eight seven. 7878 that's 02086878 and you can also uh, tweet or send in your comments at Voice of Islam UK on Twitter uh, we're asking um, mm-hmm. our uh, listeners as well to share with us a fascinating fact that they might that they may think other people don't know or could be beneficial yeah. for people because uh, we're going to look at some really fascinating facts in mm-hmm. the next hour. Mm-hmm. Um, however, coming back to the topics of uh, the topic of uh, this yep. hour, yep. which is nature, uh, the best me- medicine. <coughs> mm-hmm. Now, around 26 million people in England have at least one long-term health condition, and uh, these people account for 70% of hospital bed days and 70% of all the NHS spending. So. We're looking at that 26 million uh, people uh, of th- th- that, f- you know, number uh, of people that have some type of long term health condition. So last month, the UK government announced that uh, statins uh, for lowering uh, cholesterol should be extended to more people. Currently, 10 million people are receiving it 
and it could be increased to 25 million. Now, the question is, are pills the only answer to our pains? I mean, you know, certainly if you look at other countries and, um, mm. you know, for example, the United States, people are very, very much reliant sometimes on pills or, yeah. you know, doctors and GPs are very <coughs> yep. easily give out pill. There's yeah. always a pill to sort out any yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very interesting because <coughs> I... Uh, I happen to 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 uh, obviously I've go to the U.S. sometimes, but also yeah. uh, so you know their advertisement, right? Yeah. So I tell you about the advertisement is such that there was an advertisement for an illness, right? Uh, maybe mm. that illness is not that serious, but it was some something to do with the gut problem. Yeah. And they would show a person um, mm. not being able to do anything, not being able to play with their kids, not yeah. being able to you know go to their job, really Day-to-day struggling, holding right? you know her stomach. And then next thing is they show that they go and buy these fruits and vegetables. Nothing happens. And then the, the third part of the advertisement Seriously, is you are. they go face to face to a doctor, mm. gives gives a packet the, of pills. Yeah, the magic pill. Yes. Huh? And mm. everything is fine. And she's playing now with their kids and all that. So it shows the culture as well. So yeah. I think nowadays many people <clears throat> might rely too much on, on, on pills and, and uh, different medicines whereas uh, what we're talking about is obviously the nature mm-hmm. um, when we uh, look at the nature nature have you know the yeah. solutions to many things mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of discussion you know around medicine and um, big pharma yeah. as, as, as they call it and there's, you know, there's also misinformation you know, online as well um, I mean there's no doubt that you know, medicine does help you know people, and and so, you know the amount of research that takes you know for a medicine or you know a pill to be prescribed, yeah. all these things are there. You know, all of that research is there. But I think what we're discussing and what we're trying to promote, especially from the from the Islamic perspective, is and you know the famous phrase goes, prevention is better than cure. Yeah. Right. And and I think this is the this is the element when we when one looks into Islam as a religion. We we're not. It's not just practices of you know five times a day you know prayers, waking up at a certain time, doing you know sleeping on your right or you know eating moderately. All of these things are related mm. to your health. Yeah, you know fasting. You know very yeah. very much part of our religion. Yeah. right. All of these things. You know that is Islam. It's yeah. it's it's part of your nature. Exactly. Right. And and I think that's the that's the emphasis. That we you know we need to put on. I mean, and, and and I think one of the reasons why people pick up bring bring about these things, and I, you know, they say look when it comes to you know surgery and all of these things are needed. They, yeah. they, there are times where you know herbal medicines or um, you know homeopathic medicines or there are various other you know, Chinese you know herbal medicines and all of these things may not help, and and you have to go down that route. Yeah. But but there are you know there are methods, and especially <coughs> I was reading this article. With regards to highly processed foods, literally very recently a research has come out talking about how much that contributes to, you know, uh, cancer. Yeah. You know, and cancer cells building up in 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 your body, inflammation, and all of these things. And inflammation, they say, is the cause of you know every disease. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's very good that you mentioned that because yeah. um, we on Voice of Islam radio station, we always when we talk about medical issues, and mm. we have separate programs as well that talks about this. Always, you know, as a listener, you have to take the professional advice from yes. your GP or from your uh, health professionals. Mm-hmm. However, when we talk about nature and we talk about <clears throat> not relying too much on medicines, we're talking about this in a general sense that, yeah. that you know, uh, living a healthy lifestyle goes a long way long to prevent way, yeah. you from, you know, uh, getting illnesses in the first mm-hmm. place, such as, you know, looking after your health, 
mm-hmm. trying to make sure that you're not overweight, exercising, eating and drinking healthy, you know, staying away from alcohol. We've talked about that as well. Now there is so much research going into it that even a little bit of alcohol also is yes. is bad for you. I mm-hmm. was I was following this uh, this podcast uh, mm-hmm. by um, Huberman. You probably yes, heard yes. about him, right? Very famous. So he's actually uh, said that you know even little bit of alcohol as well uh, yes. is not good for you yeah. so i mean people are now realizing with science and as well and also you know i was, I was looking at, i was listening to one of his <coughs> podcasts again you know talking about sunlight mm. and early exposure to sunlight yeah. how it helps you know with your mood and all of these things productivity yes. yeah, exactly and and the whole concept of waking up early and you hear this often on social media motivational speakers oh we wake up at four four o'clock right there's a funny videos as well right there's a mother recording her daughter and she's like yeah i wake up at four and she's she's, she's got this strange face what are you on about <laughs> so i mean there is look there's truth to this and and, yeah. and i think it, what the point is there is no monopoly here whoever would follow these you know the laws of nature hmm. would benefit from them yeah. and that's the case that's what Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, right? Um, mm. That there's nothing for man except for you know, except for what he strives for. So yeah. I think this is a concept that 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 is very much rooted in our you know yeah. upbringing uh, exactly. from this line perspective. Absolutely. So could a walk in the park uh, do more to lift your mood, uh, improve your health, uh, reduce obesity than a prescription from the doctor? Mm-hmm. Could there be untapped health benefits to being out in the nature, fishing? bird watching mountain climbing you know all of these things mm-hmm. or simpler things just just walking um, in the park you know these are some of the questions we will be exploring <coughs> on our show as we consider the healing power of nature and mm-hmm. don't forget obviously we've talked about this before as well that islam says that there is cure to every disease mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, time and obviously effort and uh, will uh, you know, show whether we are able to find that cure. But Allah the Almighty has created the cure of uh, illnesses. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many illnesses and the cure are there in different, you know, yeah. uh, plants or maybe even insects or maybe other things, mm-hmm. minerals, whatever. But obviously, you know, we don't know everything yet, but, you know, research uh, keeps going on. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we we pray that we we find those cures as well uh, as I think, humanity. And I think one of the discussions that we should be having mm. going forward in shows, especially when speaking to our guests, is the fact that whether medicine or you know treatment should be available to all mm. at a cost that people can afford. Yeah, and it shouldn't. It has become in certain cases, uh, you know, a monopoly. Yeah, certain medicines are you you got patents, you know, in 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 place and yeah. People can set their own price, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, so I just so give that you an example. Whole concept, of, it goes yeah. against the very nature yeah. of you know a service of mankind and you know what it brings. Exactly. I mean, look at for example uh, some of the very uh, basic and much needed drugs uh, or medicines. I should say, insulin is one insulin. of them. Yeah. And in the United States, obviously, over the history, I mean, there's been yeah. so much cost. Just on this basic drug, which which people are suffering from, yeah. lots of people need it. Mm. And now, obviously, I know the government is trying to bring the cost down. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have health insurance in the United States, you're in big trouble because yeah. you know if you have an Ill- illness that you're, you know, the, the the bills can be so much that people fall in debt trying to repay. Yes. You know, so it's a vicious cycle, right? Yeah. You, you you can never really come out of it. You yeah. know, for people, and I, and I think that's why. Um, I think exactly going back to the point. Of and about whatever. the UK as well, that we're lucky in that sense Absolutely, that we, yeah. we don't have that issue here. But 
still, you know, uh, recently there w- it was suggested by the health minister that, you know, sh- people should pay, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, was it 20 pounds, something like that? Per GP Per or appointment yeah. or whatever. So again, it shows that, you know, uh, it's for the poor people, for those who really need it, it's going to be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more and more struggle and, I, and that's Absolutely. not fair. Yeah. You see, the Quran, you know, gives us guidance with regards to this as well. You know, the topic that we're discussing. Um, chapter 50, verse 8 to 9 speaks about, um, you know, it talks about the earth and it says, <coughs> And the earth we have spread it out and placed therein firm mountains, and we have made to grow therein every kind of beautiful species as a means of enlightenment and as a reminder to every servant that turns to God. Now, the world, you know, around us is there for us to observe and gain enlightenment. Uh, and but the question would be, what shape does that enlightenment take? Um, now you know you you can give various examples, and and such as nature, we're we're, we're discussing a hair, how nature is is a source of cures, and and one one of the examples that I want to give, and and I, and I recently came across this, is something called earthing, right? Well, well, earthing is basically is it's also known as grounding. If you look mm. into it, it's, it's fascinating, how much you know how much time we spend in our socks and shoes. Right, we never fork barefoot, right? And it says it, it basically refers to the discovery that bodily contact with Earth's natural electric charge basically stabilizes the physiology at the deepest levels. It reduces in- inflammation, pain, and stress, improves blood flow, energy, and sleep, and generates greater well-being. And there's been, you know, numerous. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, numerous people have, have actually taken part in this and they've, they've, they've seen huge, huge ben- benefits. So it goes to show, you know, sometimes the things that we take, you know, and think they are a blessing for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the verse comes from mine. Asa, <coughs> asa an takrahu shayhan fahuwa khayrul lakam. Asa an tohibu shayhan you know, mm. fahuwa shayhan lakam. Yeah. That, that there is always a possibility that you, you, you love something or you like something or you consider it good, but it's not actually good for you. Yeah. And there, 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 there are times where you, you think this specific thing, a certain situation is bad for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you think that, but in yeah. reality, it is good, good for you. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's actually fa- fascinating. I mean, generally as well, how nice is it to just walk uh, barefooted or on mm. grass? I mean, it's you, just you an see, amazing I'll feeling. i tell you something. Yeah. And I've, I've actually had the chance to do that, right? After wearing comfortable shoes and you start doing it now, watch how uncomfortable you feel. It just goes to show how much, you know, as human beings we can adapt. Mm. You know, now it's it will be it it, it will be possible for you to walk outside, yeah. you know, even on grass sometimes, mm. right? Uneven, uh, you know. There's of course un, un, uneven ground, and you know, a slight you know poke of you know stone would it would, would take yeah. a life would take a life <laughs> out of you. I'm telling you, yeah, yeah. and there, there are people out there they don't even they don't even feel it. Yeah, you know. So I mean I'm 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 not saying we should shouldn't wear shoes, but I'm saying is <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't come you to my house. You put the shoe business you out, not, you out of not, uh, yeah, you better not come business. to my house bare feet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. what I'm saying here is you know we need to look into this you know natural yeah. remedies. Yeah, uh, one of the things is honey. Maybe you can yeah. you know explain a bit no, more of about course. that. There's a lot of emphasis um, of that in in our religious scripture, of course. Yeah, Islam really you know beautifully explains the importance of uh, of honey uh, mm-hmm. as as a source of cure as a source of nourishment mm-hmm. um, in the Holy Quran um, the verse uh, in, in Arabic uh, I can't remember that but it's, mm-hmm. it says uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that it's uh, there, there is cure for people mm-hmm. in it 
and um, you know we know the benefits of honey uh, there's so much research that that has gone into it mm-hmm. um it's good for sore throats i've been using it really uh, a lot mm-hmm. in the last two weeks because i've been ill uh it treats wounds um and uh, helps the general um you know uh, health of uh, of people mm-hmm. of course obviously if you have uh, diabetes and and sugar problems then you should obviously seek professional advice but even Absolutely. in that advice as well, even in that aspect as well for <coughs> yep. diabetes as well there's some research saying that you know it could also Uh, some use of it could be actually helpful as well but absolutely of course uh, yes we'll continue this further but we do have on the line our first esteemed guest we have Francis Simpson <coughs> on the line who's a nature and well-being manager at the RSPB Scotland assalamu alaikum may peace and blessings of god be upon you and welcome to the drive time show hello thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you thank you so much for joining us so today we're discussing you know a very very important topic we're talking about nature and how it can serve as a medicine uh, you know for mankind mm-hmm. in the pilot looking at you know social prescribing in edinburgh how difficult was it to you know build nature connectedness in a city dwelling patients and what we found with the pilot was that it wasn't much difficult that the GPs said that the patients were really really open to the idea it wasn't that it was difficult it's just that people hadn't paid much attention to the green space around them they didn't know how to make that connection now it's difficult because not everybody has a garden and not everybody lives in a really nice picturesque green area um but most of us in fact all of us can get outside <coughs> and there will be nature wherever we are if we just notice it and i think that's the biggest problem it's not that people don't want to do it they just you're so used to walking past nature every day you don't stop to look so mm-hmm. simple things like encouraging people to just stop by um some hedges and listen to the the birds singing and then follow the song and see if you can see them or look for plants growing by the sides of buildings mm-hmm. take a closer look just to see what they look like or even just look at the clouds and see how they move across the sky these are all things that people once you point them out and you say to people if you really pay attention they will make you feel happier and you you know you will feel that joy mm-hmm. most people actually said yes we do and they hadn't thought about it because you know in your own area you're so used to seeing your own environment you just don't notice what's around mm-hmm. so i think it is important to say that we do have to work harder to make sure that everybody does have better access to quality green space and that's something that we do have to work with local authorities and governments about mm-hmm. it's actually an important message and what we found with our pilot was just encouraging people to get outside and notice the birds and the flowers and the insects that you might not otherwise see mm-hmm. it's something we can all do and everybody said that once they had made that connection they felt so much better mm. um francis thank you for that i mean just to give our listeners a little bit of perspective on this the rspb worked on a pilot scheme in edinburgh where patients were offered not pills but green prescriptions and found that 74% said that they had benefited from this interve- intervention and about 87% said that they would continue to use nature to support their well-being so um you know uh, over the last few years uh, with covid and other challenges um what what kind of challenges did did uh, uh, did did come up and how did people cope with it 
it was a re- it was a shame in a way that we had <coughs> this particular pilot during COVID, although it, it threw up some interesting opportunities as well. I mean, COVID was obviously a huge um, a huge challenge for everybody, and with this pilot, people weren't going to their GP in person, and this is the kind of conversation that's better to have in person with someone. If you can speak to somebody and show them the information and show them the materials we've developed, they mm-hmm. can make that connection more quickly. So that mm-hmm. was one barrier we did face. And obviously the, the GPs during COVID had so many other things to deal with. They had staff shortages. People were very worried. So all of that was going on. But something that we found was that because we were all so restricted in what we could do, that people were more inclined actually to connect to their own neighbourhood and get outside. You know, there was this upsurge in, in people needing to be outside because it was the only exercise we were getting. Mm-hmm. And so that really threw up some real, really interesting um, issues around people probably for the first time thinking, I need to be outside, it's good for me, and it's all I can do. Mm. And so having the nature prescription from their GP gave them lots of ideas and suggestions and things they could do once they were outside. And what we found was that although COVID was a horrible thing and Mm. it was creating huge stress, in fact, people during the pilot really felt that it was the best time for them to have this help because they were desperate for something positive and meaningful to have in their life, mm-hmm. which was so restricted in so many other ways. So there was that conflicting experience of COVID, the practical issues on one side. Mm-hmm. Actually, people were really ready to connect with the outside world and with nature in a way that they'd never done before. So that helped, I think, in some ways. Absolutely. And I mean, for the benefit of our listeners, if you could maybe explain, you know, what does a nature prescription actually look like? Yes, certainly. It's Well, basically, a nature prescription is something that you get from your... It started with GPs. Mm -hmm. We're now working with community link workers as well, so we're expanding. But basically, it's a non-medical approach. It's free to use, and it's based on having a conversation with your GP or your other healthcare professional where they talk to you about, you know, what the issues are you're having and how nature can help you feel less stress, it can help reduce um, mm-hmm. symptoms of depression, it can help you with your physical health, it can help you feel um, more connected to other people in your life as well. Mm-hmm. So you have that conversation where the GP or your healthcare worker talks to you about the benefits of nature. And then this is supported with a really... Um, set of materials which are really um, good as well. They're really kind of high quality materials that we have to go along with it. There's a leaflet which explains what uh, the prescription is and how important nature is to our health and then there's a seasonal calendar of ideas and suggestions just to help people. So things like um, look for the buds coming through the ground in the spring Mm. or you know listen to the the bumblebees in the garden and see if you can follow the bumblebee around the garden it's really simple things that Mm. anybody can do but it's the way of helping people make that connection so it's really based on the seasonal calendar a prescription leaflet but importantly that conversation with with the gp as well to help people understand why it matters and of course just to say as well what's also important is that it's not just people that benefit because of course we know that we're having a climate emergency, loss of biodiversity. And what we believe is that if people make a connection to nature, they grow to love nature and they'll take action then to protect it and to work with us to, to save it. So it's it's benefiting everybody. It's benefiting us as humans, but it's mm. also helping us look after the planet. And mm. that's the kind of conversation that the GP is having with the patient when they come into the surgery or when you speak to them on the phone. Yeah, I think that is wonderful 
you know, initiative. And you know, lastly, I, we did, we did wanted to ask you how are you now actually planning to roll this out? You know, this 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 scheme on a wider scale. Well, it's really um, expanding itself, if you like. There's so much interest in this. The GPs love it. The patients love it. You know, clearly there's a huge interest in nature at the moment and biodiversity and what we can all do to help. So mm-hmm. people are really keen. So we're definitely pushing at an open door and there's a lot of interest and there's a growing body of evidence that this is really good for us. So what we're doing is we're expanding through working with other NHS boards in other areas and other health partners to see how we can raise awareness of the importance of nature to well-being and to uh, nature itself. And we're getting a lot of interest from people across the country. We're working Mm -hmm. with people in the Highlands. We're also working with GPs in Glasgow. So whether it's a rural area or in the middle of our Mm -hmm. biggest city, people are really keen. And what we're keen to do is not just turn up ourselves and say we have this wonderful thing you know we'd like you to do this mm-hmm. we're working closely with local communities to find out what they need and uh, what their ideas are as well because this is just the start of this project for us we believe that if we work closely with communities across the country we'll be able to develop this work mm-hmm. and you know really work out how we can improve everybody's connection to nature in lots of different ways so although we're working through health professionals and GPs at the moment mm-hmm. we really want to remove the barriers that some people face to accessing nature mm-hmm. and really make nature open to anyone in a whole range of different ways. And we're finding that people are very, very keen to speak to us. There's a lot of interest in it. So we're very optimistic and positive that we're really going to be able to make a difference over the next couple of years. That's wonderful to hear, Francis. Thank you so much for giving us your time and giving insight That's into this important subject. Thank been you. a wonderful opportunity to speak to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I mean, it's just we looked at the uh, pilot scheme. Seventy percent or what? Seventy-four percent. That's amazing. Uh, saying that they benefited from this intervention, and uh, almost ninety percent saying that they would continue the use of nature to support their well-being. So I think the uh, there there is a need to to go towards that, right? Because, yeah. and I think because we have so much access to medicine and easy fix to issues that yeah. people sometimes tend to rely on that whereas within sometimes the cure is within mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if we are just become a little bit more active if we just control a little bit our food and our lifestyle mm-hmm. then suddenly you know we're able to make huge changes in a positive way no doubt and i think one of the most you know important discussions with that is is and, and we've done various shows is how do we protect nature mm. you know this 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 being an amana from god and, and there's a hadith of the prophet where he says that the world is sweet and green and verily Allah is is going to install you as, you know, vice grants in this in in it in order to see how you actually act. <clears throat> right? And there are numerous other, other things about the Prophet where, you know, in, in, in one of his narrations he, he basically says the earth has been made for me purifying and as a mosque a place of prayer. If you yeah. really ponder over this, mm. how do how do we treat a mosque? you know, a place of worship. Yeah. Right? It's a place yeah. of worship. Exactly. Where, you know, um, you know where we know we 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 are very respectful to, towards it. We're very considerate. We we'll keep it clean. Mm. All of these aspects, to the to the point that we 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 really think about how we're dressed when we you know when we when when we go. Yeah. And what mark we leave on others. Yeah. Like, you know what all, all of those aspects. And yeah. imagine it, he has he has he has uh, you know given a resemblance to the earth, right? And that's the very essence. And that's why, as a Muslim, I don't really need. A temple or or a mosque for me to 
do my five daily prayers. Yeah. That's why some of some of our you know non-Muslim friends may have seen some brother praying in a park, mm. or you know he just needs a place, you know, a clean place where he can, yeah. you know, he can just do his prayers. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that goes to show how much of a responsibility has been placed on us. Yeah, and I think that Islam really helps with that. You mentioned the fact that obviously waking up early, getting sunlight. I mean, for for us as Muslim. You know, it's it's just uh, if we do that, if we wake up for Fajr prayers uh, on time, you know, um, it makes a it, huge it difference. Make, it makes a huge difference. You know, your body gets used to you know waking up early, having fresh air. You know, you walk out even if you make an effort going to the mosque. You know, yeah, you you get the sunlight. You know, you get all that. Um, so so, I think Islam as a whole, as a lifestyle, uh, helps you with fasting, with uh, mm -hmm. telling you to eat uh, balanced food, and yep. uh, telling you to obviously, you know, um, exercise and look after your health as an amana, as you mentioned, a trust from God. Yep. And also, I think that when we live uh, in in places, so for example, if we people who live in cities really uh, also have to be uh, mindful that you know we have to think about where we're living. Sometimes there is not a choice, but you know, you you look outside the window and you think, I mean, is there any green space? Is mm. there is there anything around that can help you, you know, uh, give you a little bit of peace of nature? That's really important. And, uh, you know, we're really lucky here. Obviously, this Betul Futu Mosque, just on the other side, we have a huge park. So, yeah. you know, you can benefit from that. So I think that makes a big difference. L lovely, man. Yeah. I mean, especially in the you know, UK, we've got, you've got walk, you've got parks at, at a walking distance. Mm. So I think we don't have a, you know, a... And 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 excuse to say you know we can't get sunlight or we can't go out and all of these things, uh, but we're going to discuss this further. We do have on the line our next guest. We have we have on the line Gron Nolan. If I'm pronouncing the name correct, uh, please forgive me if I'm not. Uh, on the on, on the line who is the head of national partners at National Academy for Social Prescribing. Assalamualaikum, a peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you very much for having me on the program. Thank you so much for joining us and taking your time out. So um, we are discussing, you know, of course, an, an, an important topic uh, where we're looking at how nature can actually heal us, you know, um, holistically. Um, could you maybe explain you know, the kind of things, you know, social prescriptions actually cover? Yes, of course. And social prescribing can cover lots of different things, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but we first really need to recognise that there are many different things that can affect our health and well-being that aren't always easily treated by medicine and doctors alone, as you've been discussing yourselves at the beginning of the programme. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking specifically of things like loneliness, social isolation, mm -hmm. poor housing, debt or financial stress, these kinds of issues. And what social prescribing offers us is a, a way of actively connecting people to non-medical activities and resources that will help them to address those specific issues, mm -hmm. which can then prevent or lessen the knock-on impact to their health and well-being further down the road. So exactly as you said earlier, prevention being better than cure. And the kinds of things that social prescriptions cover are very wide-ranging. So it might include helping somebody who's isolated and lonely to join a befriending group or yep. a community gardening project, if that's what works for them. It could be supporting somebody with dementia to join a dementia choir, enabling them to maintain a sense of social connection because they're very good at doing that. Mm -hmm. And we're actually launching a new fund soon to help dementia choirs. Or it could be helping somebody with high blood pressure mm -hmm. to find a form of exercise that they're comfortable with. So there are lots of different kinds of social prescribing activities out there. So there's yeah. something for everyone, of course. Yeah, Absolutely. So we're looking at healing power of nature. Um, could you perhaps talk a little bit about different ways that nature is being used to improve um, the overall well-being of people? 
I can, of course, yes. And I'm really drawn to that term that you've used, the healing power of nature. Mm-hmm. I've worked I've worked in the environment sector for a long time now and it's so abundantly clear that for lots and lots of people nature is very healing and the science completely backs it up as well. And at the National Academy we've recently published an, an evidence review looking at just this thing of, you know, the benefits of nature on people's mental health in particular. And it's very evident in the variety of nature-based activities that are out there in, in green social prescribing that we've just heard of, heard from, from Francis earlier. Um, we've heard about, you know, what the RSPB is doing, launching a nature and prescription program, which is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you may have heard of Green Moves, which are for quite a long time. They're run by the, the conservation volunteers, and they bring groups of people together to do gardening and conservation <laughs> work, combined with kind of like physical activity. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing more and more now... Um, uh, social prescriptions uh, in nature centred around the water environment, you know, mm-hmm. rivers, the sea, lakes, canals, which is really lovely to see because the, the evidence around the, you know, the health benefits of spending time near water has really grown in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So we have offers like um, the Angling Trust in partnership with the Environment Agency offer a get, get Fishing for Wellbeing prescription and in the East Midlands, the Canals and, Canal and Rivers Trust it also runs paddleboarding on prescription in urban settings as well as canal sidewalks. And these things are really only scratch, are really only scratching the surface of the, the the breadth and the scope and the variety of of green activities that are, that are there, and they're so popular mm-hmm. because people find them just so beneficial. And all of that is really consistent with um, the findings of our evidence review, which which tells us that these kinds of nature based prescriptions and activities based in nature are really great at connecting people to their wider local community. Um, they're really great at connecting people to nature in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And these things in turn just, just make us feel an awful lot happier and yeah. enhance that general <clears throat> overall sense of well-being that we can have. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the uh, most fascinating things about, you know, social prescribing that I see is is its cost effectiveness and, you know, how cheap it is. Yeah. And Sometimes you know, it won't even cost you anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, as opposed to an ordinary, you know, sort of ways in, you know, prescribing medicine. So what 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 would you say on that? Well, um, social prescribing on its own is a very cost-effective intervention. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a study that was in, Do- in Doncaster not long ago that shows us that for every £1 spent supporting vulnerable people, social prescribing produces about £10 worth of health benefits. So that's, mm. that demonstrates really good value for money. Um, and not only is it a cost-effective um, treatment, but it also really helps to reduce pressure on GPs. Everybody knows that GPs are under tremendous tremendous pressure, mm-hmm. and it, it can often be quite difficult to get an appointment with your doctor. Um, and it's generally estimated that about one in five of GP appointments that people make with their doctor are made essentially for non-medical reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and these are very difficult to treat medically. So, you know, in, in answer to your question, it's not so much really about whether social prescribing is more or less cost effective than an ordinary prescription, mm-hmm. but more about knowing when social prescribing might be a more appropriate course of action for mm-hmm. somebody or, or recognizing that it could be a very effective complementary approach alongside a medical prescription. So it's, a, it's another useful tool that GPs and others can reach for when they're trying to get the very best help and the very best outcomes for their patients. Mm. You have uh, ambitions to broaden uh, social prescription. Um, how, how do you see that um, happening or what's your kind of vision about that? And uh, also if you can tell us about the Global Social Prescribing Alliance and uh, what uh, it will do in terms of uh, playing a role in this. Well, the two, the two things go hand in hand, I think. We do have a global social prescribing alliance. This is an international partnership, mm-hmm. which currently involves 23 countries from the around, around the world, including ourselves at the National Academy of Social Prescribing, the World Health Organization and the United Nations and, and others as well. And, and the aims of, of that program is to 
it's simply really to improve people's health and well-being through social prescribing, reduce healthcare costs and provide a much more person-centred approach to healthcare right around the world. So mm-hmm. our ambition is to expand that network um, and, and so that people, so that many more people can, can uh, experience the benefits of social prescribing. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for, for happening here in the UK as well. Uh, you know, social prescribing is growing all the time and uh, th- that we want, we want as many people as possible to experience the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. And and what what is your view view on you know if someone says it's uh, it's another tool of monetizing you know uh, you know things such as you know you, you're talking about I don't know something to do with canals right um, earlier so th- th- do you think people can come in this uh, into this social pres- prescription uh, uh, you know element and you know monetize it in a way you know we we know everything gets usually gets monetized. We were earlier speaking about, you know, how pills or how certain, you know, diseases you see, you know, are, you know, pharma, is yeah, pharma big, yeah. and all these things are happening. What is what, what is your say on that? Do you think that's that can, can can be in a way detrimental for certain people? Or do you think, no, you know, this social uh, prescribing, uh, you know, it, it can't be monetized or whether it can be monetized. And if it is monetized and whether, you know, there's any harm to it or not. I think... Um well, at the point of delivery, a social prescription should be free in, in, in the same way that our healthcare in the UK is, is free at the point of delivery. Um, I, th- I, think, I think really monetizing social prescription, social prescribing activities, I think would be really difficult in actual fact, because when you look around at who, who provides these, these services and activities around the country, they're mostly all from the voluntary sector, mm. um, from, third sec- from the third sector. And it, these these organisations need to bid for funding on, on an annual basis. Really, there's never really a long-term source of funding that's that's provided for these kinds of activities, which makes them very vulnerable. Um, so, I think it's really unlikely that um, you know the big corporations, or at least we're not seeing any sign of that at the moment. In any case, the big corporations could come in and start monetizing yeah. social prescribing. Because that could be a genuine concern, isn't it? I mean, for a lot of people. I, I, it could be, but I, I think there's no evidence of that at all at the moment. Yeah, I think it's 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 very slim chance, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. most of these um, these solutions will be in the open nature, and uh, yeah, you know, it's far more uh, accessible for people than you know yeah. uh, other things, uh, m- more expensive treatments of other sorts. Yeah, um, would you like to see, you know, councils and uh, you know um, local places uh, like kind of promote this more I mean I know there there are many probably councils that really push towards uh, you know uh, these kind of things absolutely I think it, people can only benefit from it like like I said at the beginning of the program you know if we can prevent people from going on to um, acquire illnesses that, that could could be could have been prevented by a social prescription or if we can help mm. people to manage existing conditions with a social prescription then that's better for the individual it's better for the health system um, and it's, it's, it's better overall for society it costs less overall so mm-hmm. yes mm. we would like to see this grow absolutely and, and it has been growing very rapidly over the last few years right. um, and it's really taken hold as, you, as you've seen as well right around the world so yes it, it, I think only good things can come from social prescribing becoming more commonplace Okay. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it was a great, great pleasure to uh, have you with us. Uh, My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your time. Take care. 0208687 is the number to call. You can also um, tweet mm-hmm. at Voice of Islam UK if you wish to send in your comments. 
Now, these benefits in nature may be uh, because God also tells us, and we come back to the Holy Quran because we have mentioned a few verses that gives us guidance on how to live our lives. Um, in chapter 45, verse 14, we read, And he has subjected to you whatsoever is in the heavens and whatsoever is in the earth. All this is from him, in that surely are signs for people who reflect. So, subjected to mankind, it's a, it's the key here, isn't it, in the in the verse that... God says that, you know, he's created everything for mankind. He subjected it, meaning mm. that man has the capability to take advantage of everything that is in the earth. And it's there no to serve other, you, there to serve yeah, you isn't it? Yeah. No other uh, species have that uh, advantage as human beings have. You know, we we can take advantage of it in a <laughs> negative way, also a positive way. Positive mm. way that, you know, you look after your health, you, uh, you, you know, respect and use the resources, uh, you know, sustainably, properly, yeah. uh, <clears throat> benefiting people. So that's what the verse obviously is talking about. And also that everything is provided by God Almighty, um, mm. you know, uh, with, with his blessings. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, th- I think it's a very, very important point you touched upon because, you know, the, ver- the, the commentary of the very first chapter of the Quran speaking about, you know, uh, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen you know all praise belongs to God uh, Rabbul Alameen who is the the provider or, yeah. you know the the nourisher of all the worlds <coughs> uh, you know Ar-Rahman you know who, who is beneficent right and Ar-Rahim who you know who often gives and, and, and these three attributes if you just look into that and I think it very it goes into the fact that you know Rabbul Alameen it's he's he's the nourisher of the of all, all species, you know, of all, um, everything that's been placed in this earth, you know, regardless of their, mm. you know, what what their form is, yeah. right? Um, and that attribute animals, of, uh, of yeah, yeah. a rub is somebody who's sustaining, so exactly. not just once, Nourishing, but continuously. But continue, yes. Exactly. So that's the thing, you know, whether it's plants, yeah. animals, and all of these things. And then it goes on to f- f- further to differentiation between believers and non-believers yeah. those only who don't believe in God or anything yeah. like that that, yeah. that, that, that comes un- under that God also provides for them yeah. you know all of these for things. everything yes. and so, so I think it's, it's a very fascinating thing uh, you know um, when you really look deeper and, 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 and kind of it just makes you wonder right mm. and I think that's the that's the essence of uh, you know this Islamic life <laughs> is or as you know you, you being a Muslim is not just to live a heedless life, yeah. you know, a meaningless life. You've, you've yeah. and, and that's every time you're told to ponder and think, yeah. Yeah. right? All of these things, and yeah. it's 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 fascinating when you, you know, when you th- when you think about this, and and it's kind of disheartening as well when, when when you see Muslims doing the opposite, yeah, right, where they don't really value what mm. they've been given. Yeah. But we're going away from the topic, of course. Um, we want to stick to what we're discussing at the moment, which is the benefits of nature. Absolutely. Um, yep, so we're going to look at the countryside as well, how important that is uh, for people. But before that, we have uh, a guest, uh, Rahil, uh, on uh, the line with us. Absolutely, we have Maxo Ayamba, if I'm correct, pronouncing the name correctly. I'm very bad with names, actually. Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you. It's good that you apologize before. Yes, right? uh, Assalamu alaikum, <laughs> welcome to the Drive Time Show. Alaikum salam. How are you, uh, Maxo? How are you doing today? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us. So, just to introduce Maxwell, Maxwell is a founder of the Sheffield Environmental Movement, a medalist of the Order of the British Empire. Uh, with this short introduction, I want to straight get into questions. Uh, and the first question we have for you is: You know, before you set up the Sheffield Environment Movement, uh, you found 99% of the 
BAME respondents you surveyed had never been to the countryside. How shocked were you by by this finding? Well, I wasn't shocked, actually, um, because I think earlier studies by Natural England found that just 25.7% of Asian uh, and 26.2% of Black and 38.8% of mixed-race people spend less time in the countryside compared to 44.2% of white people. So, obviously, the vast majority of UK's Black and Asian population, we live in urban areas. So, with only a very fraction of this number, you know, uh, who live in the countryside. So just 1.9% of minoritized people and 2%, 2.6% of, um, Asia, sorry, black, black, and then 2.6% of Asian people actually uh, visit the countryside. So I wasn't mm. surprised at all. I wasn't, no. So, <coughs> excuse me, so is, is it because of the area that uh, these communities live in or is it just culture? Well, I suppose it's a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that um, the environment well, is the second least diverse sector in the UK, only second to farming. You can imagine that. So it's not diverse at all. Yeah, It's completely white. Mm-hmm. Um, and the countryside, per se, is perceived as, you know, it's perceived as being racialized, uh, as a white space. Um, and culturally speaking, you know, our people have been disconnected from the natural world, haven't come here and settled in urban communities. Yeah. So they lost that connection with the natural world. And so the countryside becomes a distant space for them. Yeah. Um, and then, so since they've lost that connection, um, they are also faced with um, these issues of socioeconomic problems, really. And uh, the countryside in the UK is commodified. Mm. So... I mean, accessing those spaces, you know, if you're not privileged, it can be very, very expensive. Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, the outdoor gear or kids you need, you know. Um, and then secondly, it's also to do with um, orienteering and navigation. If you don't know where you're going, then you you fear of getting lost. Yeah. Uh, and then also it has to do with racism. Um, you know, minoritized people, you know, fear racism and they don't know what to expect when they go into such alien environments. Hmm. Um, and then also transport is another factor where people, you know, struggle really to survive on a daily basis. So getting transport to to the rural countryside um, can be can be a challenge for a lot of a lot of families. Right. Um, do you think that um, the countryside, predominantly people living there, are generally more much more wealthier than people living in urban areas? Hence that could also be a barrier for uh, BAME communities maybe to access uh, those areas? Yes and no, um, because we also have rural poverty. We have in, in the rural areas do have poverty there. But I suppose the rural countryside is more of a very wealthy space um, where mostly, you know, uh, following the Inclusion Act in 1932, <laughs> uh, sorry, in 1753, the closure of 1753, where the countryside became, you know, um, became only so the, uh, people were wealthy, so they owned the land. So when you go to a countryside, you have very big, big, ex- big estates, massive, massive estates. So on one hand, there's wealth in the countryside, on the other hand, there's poverty. But the poverty is not that, it's not that extreme or that pronounced as compared to um, urban cities. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, and you um, 
you know, in terms of um, outdoor activities, uh, if I want to ask you, how justifies is the perception that certain outdoor activities um, are not uh, for people of color or, you know, it's not accessible, such as, uh, you know, cricket, maybe horse riding, climbing, um, I don't know, I can't think of any any, <laughs> any other that's not accessible as such, but uh, yeah, you you get my point, right? I mean, is is that a barrier, or is it is it just an excuse? It's it's both a barrier and an excuse. Uh, a barrier because these uh, these sports, these outdoor sports, are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, I mean, if you look at the you, the racing field in England, you don't find monotonous people on doing racing. Will you, have you seen them there? Um, and in, then I mean, cricket. <laughs> cricket Cricket, yeah, um, there is there is yeah. some diversity there, right? You've got yeah, archer, cricketer, black cricketer, you go Asians in there, you know. Excellent. So that's Excellent. good. They're doing a wonderful that's job. Good. Yeah, but then the whole outdoor, the whole outdoor sector, you don't have um, in terms of outdoor pursuits. You don't like rock climbing, abseiling, you know, all those kind of um, outdoor pursuits. You don't have my black and minoritized people there because basically these are. These are perceived traditional white activities that they've been doing, and our our people haven't had opportunity, um, you know, to participate in this activity. So we don't have black out black and Asian outdoor instructors, okay, mm-hmm. to encourage others to see the, as the, as as places, uh, you know, of acceptance or welcoming, um, you know. So we don't have role models, we don't have champions, we don't have mentors in that sector. So when you go out, you know, all those who carry all these outdoor pursuits are all, all white. Mm-hmm. I mean the point. I mean the point is that you know you've there's no there's no you know stopping in for an Asian man or a black man or any other man to go and learn or, or get a license in rock climbing or horse riding and you know speaking of horse riding you know we feel from the Islamic perspective we were the pioneers of you know horse riding and those people who. You know, you know, the horse riding was very, very much part of the nature. You know, yeah, that, in Arabia, in Africa, Arabia, in Africa, Africa, and all these things. Yes. So I think, so I think, you know, from 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 that perspective, uh, you know, I do agree. And and this is a question that I was asking to our previous uh, guest as well. And you know, the whole question of monetizing. Yes. Yeah. So, so my my whole idea was that is there a possibility <coughs> that there are spaces out there right now which are free for people to go are very much accessible. But looking into this, when there's enough interest of people and, and their GP prescriptions and everything's being pushed towards people going to you know these these uh, you know these these countryside areas, that 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 those places you know get taken up by businesses and you know you know and and, and, and only a prescription based in a way that you have to pay for it, right? Yes. You've got clubs there like you know horse riding clubs which are only yeah. accessible to people that have money. So so that aspect yeah. of it, I I think you know. And, and I was asking, and she said, "There's no sign of that yet." But uh, I'm not sure. But this is something that you know we, us as humans, do whenever we, whenever, whenever we see an opportunity, you know, to to make money. You know, people will run to it and they would monetize it. So you know, I do agree with 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 you from that perspective. But from the, from the fact that you know, you know, to the point that you know we don't have representation in you know certain sports. I th- I think it's more to do with us not 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 actually opting for it that's that's my opinion i mean people can disagree with me well i i um i agree to some extent but you know you have to understand the background of you know minoritized people um mm-hmm. the fact that they suffer from socioeconomic deprivation um 
So obviously, this that you alluded to earlier, yeah. these spaces are, are commodified. So the commodification of these spaces yes. has led to you know people who are privileged mm. to have access to those spaces. And so if you are not privileged and you have other socioeconomic needs that you have to, um, what you call, face on your daily basis, mm. then you know, the last on your mind is to be going to those kind of other issues because it's a class thing as well. Because if you are wealthy, then obviously you have time for leisure, recreation, Absolutely, and, yeah. uh, you know, and those kind of things. But if you have to struggle on a daily basis to survive, then obviously those things are you know, not part. It's not like back home where nature comes naturally. Naturally, because I agree with you. That's, yeah, yeah. That's our source of livelihood. That's where we live. Mm. You know, we from we, you know that kind of thing. Here, it is a different ball game because <laughs> you know the whole the whole nature discourse has been commodified, mm. um, and that's why you have big big outdoor companies who make a lot of money. Mm. You know, um, but I, I you know when I take groups out, I have to literally pay for everything. Mm. I have to literally pay for everything for them to have access to the to the kind of activities that. You know, um, you know, other uh, who's rapping really free. I mean, take for example, I'll give you a quick example. Um, you've got course fishing, course fishing, for example, you have to have a license and you have to pay to, to fish. Okay, it's a recreational activity mm-hmm. back home. People don't need to pay to fish, yeah. right? And also, the fish itself as a source of protein food mm. for them. <laughs> so for people to get up and go and fishing just for leisure and recreation, it's something that um, you know people already are struggling to survive a bit, and then how can they go and be sitting and just fishing? And besides that, they have to pay a license. Yes, for yes, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then, so, so, so we are more or less like at a disadvantage all the time in terms of the kind of access to the environment that the government is advocating. Now, government is talking about what we call green social prescribing. Um, as an alternative to antidepressants, mm. where basically people have to sample people to green activities, mm. okay? It's good. But then, if you don't have the means and the resources, like the outdoor kids have told you, you can't, and then you don't have the means to participate in these outdoor activities. How are you going to, are you going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. This no, it does, it does, it does, yeah. It does make sense to, to an extent, obviously, that in some parts, obviously, there is a long way to go. So, uh, thank you very much, uh, Maxwell uh, Ayamba, for joining us, uh, founder of the Sheffield Environment Movement. We're just coming up to the news, so um, I'm afraid we have to leave it there. But uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, have a great day. Um, thank you. I think very interesting point that uh, Maxwell was mentioning. I mean, if you look at, That's for example... Exactly what I was trying to understand. Right, like, look, from the previous case, even yeah. in London, right? Yeah. You, you have areas that are so compact and there's hardly any green space around and and predominantly those areas you know could be places where uh you know people people are living maybe in housing uh in social housing people yeah. who, who who are living there maybe not that wealthy yeah. so <clears throat> you you need to have an opportunity for 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 those people as well but we're lucky that you know in terms of opportunity uk is much better than many many countries in the world yes. uh, and i think that's yeah. the whole point of you know i think of um what I personally don't agree with is yeah. the fact that you know complaining, right? We're always told to be, you know, of of course strive for the best, strive for good, strive for better, but then be thankful for what you have around you, right? Mm-hmm. You've got you've got parks at walking distances, where there is a you know you can you can go there, you know, spend some time. If you know you know if if you're someone who's who's never been to a park for a year, and now you all of a sudden you want to go to a countryside, right? And you know, I'm trying to say although yeah. although that you can, but look, 
start somewhere where it's possible, yeah. it's plausible, and you know, from from there build on. Yes, exactly. Right? I think that's the I point. mean, even going out and getting some fresh air, going for a run, that's the simple things that everybody can do. And it's free, right? Yeah. So if you really want to change your lifestyle, I mean, it's also about education because I, I feel like sometimes in our communities, in our cultures, and we're from the same, you know, we're from mm. Asian community. So we also know that sometimes the emphasis is not a lot on, on the physical. It's changing now. Yeah. But if we look at our generations, our elders, you know, of course, they had their own issues, challenges, right? They came to this country, had to yeah. work from scratch you know, work really hard, long hours to yeah. take care of us. No doubt. And now we have the luxury, right? That I we remember can ex- at the yeah. start of the program, I was saying that there are certain things we take for granted. For granted. Yeah. And there are certain things we think they are, you know, like for example, he's, you know, uh, Max was speaking about how fishing and, you know, horse riding may be a natural thing for, yeah. pe- you know, people living in the East and, you know, certain parts. Mm. But now, all of a sudden, even now in East or in certain parts of Africa, owning a horse is not a, now a luxury. Yeah. A car is much probably cheaper, yeah. right, in the UK. Yeah. So if you really think think about it, yeah. it's just what the times have come to. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's been a very interesting uh, discussion. Um, we'd love to uh, speak to our guests um, as well as, uh, you know, discussing the points here. Uh, you can give us a call, 0208-687-7878. Uh, we're going to talk about some interesting and fascinating facts in the next hour. Um, we'll also be, um, uh, speaking, be to yeah, speaking to various guests. So uh, do uh, get in touch by calling us or by sending in um, your comments at uh, Voice of Islam UK. Assalamualaikum. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillah rahman rahim In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, welcome back to the second hour of Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. We were discussing in the previous hour uh, nature and how you know it can, social uh, prescribing to be exact, uh, how it can help us, help us heal, uh, you know, using nature and utilizing, you know, things that are very much you know, accessible to all of us for free. Um, in the second hour, we'll be discussing the topic that we have at hand is Fascinating Facts, a series of Did You Knows. Um, Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, Verily, in the heavens and the earth are signs for those who believe. Chapter 45, verse 4. You know, as people of the modern age, we are bombarded with information from every direction. You know, some of it is valuable. Some of it, you know, we could definitely do without. But can we ever have enough of it? You know, considering that man has only managed to explore about 5% of Earth's oceans, it is safe to say that no one can claim to know it all. Mm. We don't either, you know, but we would like to explore some fascinating facts which could become conversation starters uh, when we may need them. Now, going back to the ocean, uh, did you know that it holds 99% of all habitable space on Earth? It's huge. Did you also know that the world's largest waterfall is in fact underwater and not on land at all. I mean, we won't be, you know, we won't repeat these ones, of course, uh, but let's spend the next hour actually expanding on some totally random and totally fascinating facts in greater depth. But most importantly, 
you should also call in and let us know of you know any interesting facts that you think people should know. Yeah. So the number is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. All our listeners should have saved it by now. Uh, <laughs> give us a call. Tell us. You know. Give us some interesting facts. This is the hour where we are. Uh, you know, going to ask you to teach us to teach. Let's learn from each other. Let's yeah. learn some interesting facts. I think this one particular, be the ocean. Uh, obviously, the oceans. Uh, you know, it just it's just uh, inspires you as well as you know, just uh, blows scare, your mind. It right? scares me, man. It like, scares you yeah, as well. Yeah, it's um... oh, man. I I I went swimming once in in <laughs> open water, right in the ocean, and I tell you what. It, is fun but it's also scary because yeah. you don't know what's underneath yeah, you know yeah, exactly you're always conscious of yeah, you know yeah a shark popping up oh well, you don't even shark you know even the slightest you, you don't know maybe like a jellyfish or whatever yeah, exactly, that, that yeah. might just burn you or you know he <laughs> just give you some uh, some issues look the the this is scary but also but it's also fascinating because there's so much that the world uh, and and you know researchers and explorers are still finding you know yeah uh, what is it i think uh, some years ago they sent uh, a uh, submarine like i think to the deepest uh, yeah. point of the yeah. sea that they know yeah. for now they say this is the deepest part i think it's called the marina trench or something okay. like that and uh, they discovered a whole bunch of new species that can withstand like because down deep down in the water uh, apparently the pressure is so much mm-hmm. that nothing can survive yeah. except you know certain uh, fishes or um, you know plants or, or whatever that that have specifically built uh, mm. that resistance yeah. of that pressure and, uh, and that there is no light and there's still you know these fishes are surviving there and yeah. that again shows uh, the whole uh, attribute of Allah the Almighty that we talked about that he's Ar-Rahman that he's provided for every living thing what it needs and, I, and, and even at the death of these oceans sorry that there are yeah. provisions for them and 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 also that that the existence is not purposeless i think that's exactly. that's very very important yeah. we might not know as of yet you what know their what their purpose is, yeah. is but i think <clears throat> as in knowledge progresses we would find out mm. you know um, you know it's very interesting again sorry i'm cutting you but mm-hmm. it takes me to a video that was i think done by the same submarine okay putting light on on, on they, they they i think they put a dead fish there or something yeah and over a long time there were so many f- different fish species at the bottom of the seabed yeah who would come and dispose of that fish right yeah, yeah. Or, or eat of it until it was completely Gone, just yeah. bones right mm. so it shows also that the purpose of these is to also decompose of mm. all of these things all of this waste basically which is yep. in the oceans no doubt no doubt um Okay, so we're going to start with fact number <laughs> We went one. very deep into this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you start drowning. Before you start drowning, you've got to come up. Okay, so fact number one. Uh, I mean, in order to busk on London, to on the London Underground, you must be licensed and may even have to audition. Now, auditions are currently paused due to pandemic, but are expected to make a, a you know, comeback soon. So what is, what is, you know, let's say, is it called busking? Yeah, I, I I didn't know about this actually. Honestly, before, I didn't but, know about but this as well. This is basically these people who are playing music and yeah. doing some performance 
are there. So and I actually I, think they I, just, yeah. they, they just end up there and they just sit yeah, in there and like, doing it. Yeah, I was like, they shouldn't be here or they, they're illegally doing this. And yeah. Yeah, But apparently it's legal and you have yeah, to have yeah. a license for it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So licensed buskers have a unique audience to around of around 3.5 million two passengers every day. And many passengers show their appreciation by dropping a few coins in the hat knowing that the buskers are licensed and legitimate because they perform on one of London's branded pitches. The scheme has attracted international media interest and some buskers are regularly booked for events and rec- and recording sessions. Some have even gone on to perform in the front of royalty or you know work with established musicians, including the English National Opera. Ed Sheeran and Jesse J are two examples of big names who have performed on the uh, London underground uh, un- underground stage. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that as well. Um, buskers in general, uh, and not specifically the ones you know performing on the underground, actually have their own code. Uh, now, this code actually, you know, it basically outlines how buskers are you know expected to conduct themselves while working in and around London. And and though we you know we won't go into all of its you know, details, but some of the highlights we, we found within were, you know, busking is basically illegal on public land. Um, the volume of any performance should be kept just above the level of background street noise. Mm. Buskers should not cover their fa- faces at <clears throat> any time. If funds are being collected for a charity, a permit will be needed. So it's in, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Do knowing, they pay their taxes? <laughs> no, the question is: know. Do they do they even earn enough? To yeah, pay taxes? Yeah, yeah, maybe if if yeah. obviously if you if they are really good and and obviously mm-hmm. if they are in a in a, in a place where there's a lot of people coming, mm-hmm. maybe. But we don't know. Yeah, do you want to become a busker? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have why any talent, Ray. Why don't we give it a maybe. go? Huh? I don't have any talent. <laughs> One weekend, at London Underground. <laughs> uh, you can do your football tricks there. Oh yeah. man, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are gone, man. Long gone. Long gone. Okay, so knowing what we know now, you know, we would definitely be appreciating the art of busking more than we actually did before, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, if you now go and, and see, then you can definitely, now you know that it's, well, I know definitely it's legal. I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. So uh, 0208 uh is the number to call. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK. Mm-hmm. Um the next uh, interesting fact that we have for you for you is we are going to go from the depth of the oceans <laughs> to the underground and now we're going to fly up above the the earth's atmosphere and we're going to mm. go into the sky. So we're taking up taking on a long journey here. Mm-hmm. Uh we're going to the space and the facts that we're sharing with you is that there are exactly one zero there is exactly 10 human beings in space right now. That's the fact. Um and are these people the luckiest 10 people alive right now? Um, can you imagine what, obviously, their perspective of the Earth is? Obviously, offshore, if you've seen footage from space, how the Earth is pictured, is you know, it's beautiful, amazing. So I guess is it depends on who you're asking. And before we dive into who, what, and why, and what they're doing there, uh, let's briefly discuss the history uh, space exploration. So... You know, everybody knows that Neil Armstrong took his first step and became the first person ever to walk on the moon. Um, you, you read that in the history books. And he famously said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And, uh, of course, that's a very strong statement. Um, looking at 
how uh, the technologies and how space uh, sciences have developed after that. When uh, NASA, uh, Na- NASA, NASA, <laughs> NASA, right? It's NASA, right? Yeah. Yes, correct. Selected the first group of astronauts back in 1959. Candidates were required to have jet aircraft uh, flight experience and engineering training, as well as a height below five feet and 11 inches. Mm-hmm. By 1964. <clears throat> The requirements actually changed and emphasis was placed on academic qualifications and uh, the group named in 1978 uh, NASA's Class 8 was the first crew and class with women and by 2013 the astronaut class was 50% women and 50% men. So things have changed um, a lot uh, since uh, the first moon landing. Mm, Interesting. Okay, uh, before we go into gone to our next um you know fun fact or you know uh what we do refer to as fact number fact, three right fact number um, three, yes. we'll be speaking to mirko vivanio who is the ceo and founder of lunar space a company with the mission of inspiring and educating children through space exploration assalamu alaikum may peace and blessings of god be upon you and welcome to the drive time show hello everyone thank you very much for having me today Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Interesting. It's uh, you know this this initiative that that your company. I don't know whether you were the first ones or not. Maybe you can tell us that. But it's certainly uh, you know very fascinating that 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 you're educating and inspiring young children, you know, through space space uh, exploration. Hmm. So what's uh, what's the intention behind it? If you know if you can tell our listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lunar space is definitely not the very first company to mm-hmm. um, educate and inspire children. Okay. Um, we want to help schools, mainly primary schools, and we want to become one of the main uh, companies, at least here in London, that inspire children. Um, one of the differences uh, with Luna Space is that we're going to implement also um, artificial intelligence in our softwares and in our um, delivering of courses, mm-hmm. and that hopefully will adapt to the children's needs and that will be uh, something different from what we see already. But mm-hmm. Europe and the European Space Agency has put a lot of effort and a lot of money to educate children as well. So that is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And we're trying our best to be complementary to those funds and to those missions. Very interesting. And just before we get into the questions, I did read somewhere, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that that there is a need of of you know people actually going into you know this, this space space sector and there's not enough people actually pursuing it could that be the reason as well why you have these different you know companies actually you know trying to assist that you know that space as well yes that is very true okay. uh, the uk space agency has done some reports mm-hmm. and they uh, estimated that by 2030 the UK sector and the UK, the UK space sector will grow by billions of pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and to achieve those numbers, we need to educate more people and we need more workforce Makes in the sense. space sector. Makes sense. So, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, Mirko, uh, 10 people in space right now. This is the fact that we uh, wanted to share with our listeners at this very moment. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that is very right. <laughs> okay, uh, right just... now there's 10 people in space. Okay, yeah. cool. And uh, what they're doing up there? <laughs> so um, you have right now seven astronauts on board the International Space Station mm. and three on the Chinese Space Station. 
Um, these astronauts are conducting um, scientific experiments in biology, physics, chemistry, astronomy, um, so many fields in science. Uh, but they're also doing engineering jobs, uh, such as maintenance of their space stations, um, testing new technologies. Mm-hmm. They conduct research with the main objective of helping us here on Earth, but also to further understand um, how life evolved in space and how we can adapt to it. Very interesting. Mm. And how long are these you know, astronauts typically stay in space? Um, so typically, uh, astronauts stay in space between six months to a year. Um, it's very rare that an astronaut can stay in space more than a year due to radiation and other physical problems. But the ISS, so the European Space Agency, NASA, the Canadian Space Agency and the Japanese Space Agency, they all agreed that the maximum length is one year. So, yeah, typically between six months and one year. Okay. And um, who decides who gets to go and who can't go? I mean, it's so uh, few spaces. So I guess obviously there's like a, you know, very, yeah, very tight, uh, uh, you know, competition uh, for 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 who yeah. qualifies to go. So the competition is very, very, very competitive. For the 2022 European astronaut selection, 23,000 people applied, but only 11, 13 people passed and became astronauts. So, yeah, the competitiveness of the selection is very high. Typically, astronauts are chosen based on their education, skills and experience, um, but also based on their physical and mental fitness. The selection process is then managed by NASA, the Russian Space Agency, uh, the European Space Agency, and all the other space agencies around the world. And these agencies then are responsible for the hiring process, the selection process, the training, Mm -hmm. and the actual launch to space. Mm -hmm. So it's the individual space agencies that then agree together Mm -hmm. on the missions. Very interesting. And, and, and lastly, Mirko, one of the most you know, difficult questions that you know, we're going to ask you today is, yeah. do you have a fascinating fact that you would like to share with us today? Um, yeah. So okay. um, I'm very passionate about black holes. Mm. Um, and not so many people know that there's a real, a massive, a super massive black hole in the middle of our galaxy. Um, mm-hmm. And that is what holds everything together, which... If you think about it, it's also quite terrifying because mm. um, a black hole is a deadly uh, object, basically. Yeah. But it's one of the main reasons why we're not just wandering about in the galaxy or somewhere in the universe. Mm. Quite interesting, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's... And you think it's, yeah. it's... Do you think it's... We're purposely... That the black hole is purposely there or did it just pop up out of nowhere? Oh, well... That's a tough question. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a follow-up, right? It's a follow-up. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's say um, people are investigating that. Mm. I like I that answer. Know. I don't know yeah. the answer. All right. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. It was wonderful speaking to you. And yeah, thank you, know, you for, thank your you for time. taking your time out. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you. I think uh, space uh, is just... It's also, like sea, isn't it? Yeah. Like more than more that. More than that. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, I mean. it's it's... Because so much of that you don't even know, uh, you know. Like obviously they just sent up this new telescope, James Webb telescope. And yeah, obviously, yeah. Do you the see pictures are Yeah, insane. I still have it on my screensaver. Basically, oh, wow. it's just amazing. I mean, it shows you galaxies and galaxies and things that 
we don't know about. But and, you see what yeah. some guy on YouTube, I don't know if you've come across his video. <laughs> I, I don't Looks wanna, like you watch all of the uh, funny videos, right? No, no, <laughs> le, le, I, I don't want to ruin it for you, but he said, and you know, how easy it is to make these. And he was doing what? these things, you know, these um, these pictures really? that you see here. And he You're would, saying these are made of... I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not a you know conspiracy, what are they called? Conspiracy theorist. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was actually fascinating how he was doing this <clears> from his computer. A certain way of you know, way of editing, and he's like, "Here you go." Really? <laughs> wow! So you know, we're living in an age where it's so hard to fact check, and this is what's going to be. You know, we were going to, you know, our Talk next guest. It. I think our next guest will be covering that in a lot yeah. more detail. You know, I have one space fact for you, though. Okay. Very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just I think yesterday and day before yesterday, before yesterday, it was in the news that there is there was a green comet that was going past the Earth uh, after fifty thousand years. That going past last time it was during the stone age and people could actually see it with the telescope so i tried to go out uh, in the midnight uh, two days ago uh, to try to see it it with, was clear as well but with i couldn't a telescope see it. or without it no no without the telescope it was saying that you could if you're lucky you will see it but it was so much light pollution around my area <laughs> that i couldn't see it but where yeah do, where do you live yeah <laughs> it's not that bad it's, yeah. it's it's nice but it was particularly difficult to see i think but yeah, yeah that's a fact from from my side interesting um i mean there's so much to learn i mean about us where i mean where do we start there's so much yeah. that we don't know and i think that's what what's making this making me you know this program or this the show is making me realize there's so much that you don't know mm-hmm. and there's always a learning you know that the hadith of the proverb says from the birth to the grave learning there's learning learning, yes. learning and learning and, and i think this is the approach that we need to take. We're continuing with our, f- you know, fun facts, and the next fact that we have is uh, is we have an interesting one. So, blue whales. I don't know if you know that. Blue whale tongues can weigh as much as an elephant. Say again. Blue whales. Yeah. Tongue. Yeah. Can weigh as much as an elephant. That's an interesting. Fact. And you heard that correctly because you know a blue <coughs> whale's tongue alone can weigh. As I said, as much as an elephant, and it's hard as much as an automobile, a car. So a car. Wow! I mean, it's massive, isn't it? It's so huge. I wouldn't put it beyond it. And you know, of course, we know the endangered blue. You know, the, the the endangered blue whale is 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 basically the largest animal ever known to have yeah, lived yeah. on Earth. Yeah. Um, it can weigh up to two hundred tons and measure anywhere from eighty to hundred feet in length. I don't know if you again come into YouTube, probably the place we were. These people just, you know, just in the middle of the sea, enjoying the, you know, enjoying the day. <laughs> Rahil, you uh, watch too of, much, too out much YouTube. Out of nowhere, <laughs> these, you know, two blue whales just come up. Yeah. Literally. And, you know, they just, of course. Yeah, I think I've seen They do this too. huge, and it's so fascinating. And you just think if the boat was closer, it would have been just crushed. That's, the, I'm just yeah. thinking how, I, I think some guy was swallowed as well. And then he was spat out. Right. And then, I mean. The Prophet. Uh, Prophet, Yeah. Which prophet Noah? Noah? Oh, it's not Noah. Uh, yeah, Prophet Noah was it? Mm. Yeah, the history, yeah, story of uh, Prophet Noah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Prophet Jonah actually. Sorry, oh, sorry, Prophet Jonah. I know yeah, I was yeah. making a mistake. Yeah, prophet, yeah. Jonah. prophet Jonah. Yeah. Yeah. So that story obviously is uh, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's a great fact. I mean, that again shows how much uh, how much of the uh, sea is so fascinating and also scary, as well as uh, yet to be discovered and so, learnt about. Yeah, you see the. Uh, do you know the standard yellow school bus, which is quite huge, right? Yeah. 
is approximately about 35 feet long. So three of these lined up would be about as long as a as long as the bluebell. Okay. And these massive proportions can be attributed to it to an equally massive intake of intake of food. So they say during certain times of the year, a single adult bluebell consumes about 10 tons of krill, you know, a Chinese shrimp yeah. like fish per yeah. day. Wow. And you've got so so, so, so baby bluebells, right? And <laughs> enter the world already ranking up among the planet's largest creatures. Yeah. Right after about a year inside his mother's womb, a calf emerges, weighing up to three tons and stretching to twenty-five feet. Mm. Any YouTube video- videos you can link to that, right? Uh, nothing. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think I should make a channel. <laughs> you should make your own channel. Uh, yeah. Okay, and monetize it, right? I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's mind-boggling, you know. And I think, and one of the things that you were saying right at the beginning of the program with regards to you know swimming in open waters. I think yeah, it just humbles you, mm. you know, <laughs> as human beings, you know, w- w- you know, whenever we feel this, this urge of thinking better, <clears throat> you know, we're bigger and better than others and, you know, pushing people along all this thing, you, you know, in, in the magnitude of things, we're nothing. Yeah. You know, exactly. if, 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 if you really think, think about it. Yeah. So I think all of these things, all of these facts, you know, uh, it just shows your, yeah. you know, inability mm to you know conquer what, and, what and you I think, think you can that conquer. if we bring it to the religious aspect a little bit because obviously these facts okay they are facts and you know the human mind is science is all important and we're learning mm. and all that but Rahil you've talked about all of these facts you've talked about the depth of the oceans and what we don't know yeah. within like imagine 90% of the ocean if we don't know that which is here right here yeah. where we are physically living right yeah. on the earth <coughs> and the space obviously it's it's even beyond imagination how much mm. we don't know yeah. how can people say that there is no god yeah that's yeah? The, that's the how question can, how people can you can you can say that i don't know mm. if there is a god you can say that um I don't know if I can prove God yeah. because obviously people have their own opinion. People have their own, you know, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you cannot say there is no God because just, just, yeah, you I don't think know. To, to, I think it's yeah. very, uh, I don't know how people, I mean, to simply just deny it, yeah. you know, having looked at it's a very big and, and, and call all of this, you know, a mere coincidence. And, and this is what I think before going to our guests has been covered in chapter 67. If someone is listening to this can read from verse one to let's say, Five, mm-hmm. and, and I briefly want to mention this. It says, "Blessed, blessed is he in whose hand is the kingdom, and he has power over all things." Surah Mulk, I'm speaking about, who has created death and life that he may he might try you. Which of you is best in deeds, and he is mighty, the most forgiving? Who has created seven heavens in harmony? Nor in curiosity canst thou see in the creation of the gracious God. Then look again, seest thou any flaw? Mm. Is any flaw in our, you know, in our, in our, in our, in our creation? Everything. Is in balance. Everything right? is ticking along, yeah. Exactly. I look again, and yet again, <clears throat> thy sight will only return unto thee confused and fatigued. And verily, we have adorned the lowest heavens with lamps, and we have made them, you know, for driving away Satan's, and we have prepared for them the punishment of the blazing fire. And there, there's a whole com- there's a whole com- commentary of that specific verse. If we go into this, you know, we need an old, you know, we need yeah. a whole uh, program for that. But let's try to connect to our uh, guest then, yeah. Of course. So we're going to our next guest. We'll be speaking to Pippa Allen Kinross. Uh, Pippa is the acting deputy editor at, at Full Fact, a British charity which checks and corrects facts reported in news and social media. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's something interesting because we're speaking about, you know, fact checking and, you know, uh, the space and, you know, all of these things. 
uh, how important is you know fact check ch- checking things in uh, you know uh, news and you know especially the things that we we read on social media in the times that we're living um it's incredibly important you know we know that bad information can ruin lives um it can harm our communities it can spread hate you know through misleading mm. claims that people might see on social media um we also know it can hurt our democracy it can damage trust in politicians and political processes mm-hmm. um and you know by disrupting public debate on important issues that can lead to bad decisions like it can cause people to take decisions that maybe if they actually have the factual information they would not have taken mm-hmm. um so a full fact you know we kind of work to sort of expose misleading information and false information and to try and counter the the harm that it does Mm-hmm. um and you know when it comes to sort of people in public debate like politicians or media figures we sort of try and make sure that they get their facts right back up what they say with evidence and that they're able to correct their mistakes if they do make mistakes how long how long have you been around because we have a huge issue don't we in uh, in our newspapers in the UK we're about this so full facts has been going um for for quite a long time since before um sort of the the Brexit referendum or anything like that but we've been um kind of growing and growing um over the last few years mm-hmm. um so you know we do where we see the media reporting incorrect information uh we do work to counter that and we we not only sort of write a story explaining what is wrong and what they've got wrong but we'll also contact that media organization mm-hmm. and push for them to change and correct the articles that they've published that's wonderful oh, that, that's really good work you know that's really important because we have seen how much of damage media can do with wrong information obviously given to people so yeah have you got any uh, success in doing that do actually newspapers uh, i've never seen a newspaper come up with an apology that we got this this wrong but but do we do we see something uh, yeah they they do some, i mean it, it it's not 100% success rate um they they don't always agree with with what we say um but we have had a lot of success with um you know different media organizations from you know across the political spectrum um who you know when we can show them in quite simple ways that that what they've said is wrong maybe they've used you know incorrect statistics or maybe they've um kind of misunderstood something that they're reporting and if if we can show them that they're wrong then um we are finding that more and more they are willing to to make a change and to sort of publicly accept that that, that was wrong interesting and um you know as far as uh you know uh, artificial intelligence you know uh, assisted fact checking is concerned how how does it actually work and and how is it even accurate although you know you things such as chat gpt and various other yeah. things that has popped up now it's it's it, it's amazing isn't it it's mind boggling where you know where where we're headed to you know people yeah. are you know there there there's positives and negatives of yeah. course that 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 we take into account but you know specifically speaking about you know news and correcting news how can artificial intelligence actually assist us yeah so we we do a lot of work with um ai software um at full fact and actually the the software that we produce to help fact checkers um is used around the world it's not just by full fact it's people who are sort of fighting for good information in countries all around the world mm. um and the the sort of um software that we have one of the things that it helps us do is that we can write a fact check to say you know this these statistics are wrong and this person shouldn't have said this but 
that wrong claim can be repeated again and again by mm. different media outlets that pick it up. It can be repeated again, you know, by other people maybe saying it in Parliament or on Twitter. Um, and we aren't always able to, to monitor absolutely everything to, mm. to keep an eye on when that happens. Yeah. So this software helps us to, to check that for us. Mm. And it go, the tools that we're developing will sort of identify match claim matches for us so we can see when it's been repeated. I mean, mm. it's not... It's very much not software to replace humans. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not. You know, trying to do the work for us, but it's about how can we use AI to make what we're doing more effective yeah. and to give us a bigger reach and a bigger view on yeah. on what misinformation is out there. Right. I just wanted to uh, follow up on that because uh, I'm sure you've probably seen. Um, I don't know what you make of Twitter and you know the whole new uh, layout of that since Elon Musk t- took over obviously people have got their own opinion on that but yeah. one very interesting thing that I saw was that obviously if there's like a video or something that has come up then now you can actually see under there it's like a comment saying oh this incident or this video is from that year oh. and it's not related to what's being commented on I mean I've never y- seen, I, I didn't yeah, know yeah you recent. check it yes oh, yes wow. um, I think it's quite like in 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 a long way, it actually shows you that you know what the uh, actual thing, actual fact was. Exactly. Uh, do, do you do you think that's a good thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, in the last few years, I think um, the importance of of fact checking and of factual information has really become something that people are much more aware of than they used to be, um, mm-hmm. and particularly the the sort of ability for social media to spread false information or even just really misleading information to just huge, you know, huge numbers of people so mm-hmm. quickly. Um, so I think we definitely, you know, anything that any platform is doing to take responsibility for that, I think is really important. We we do a lot of work with Facebook um, to, to try and fact check things. So, if, you know, something's gone viral on Facebook that it's completely incorrect information. Mm. We, we can check it and we can put a warning on it to let people know, you know, this is not, this is not correct. And we can kind of limit how far it's spreading. Um, so social media companies are definitely starting to, to take responsibility, but obviously, you know, there's always more that can be done. Um, but no, definitely anything to kind of alert people to the facts of something before they share it. Um, mm-hmm. is, is definitely welcome. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you know the whole aspect of, I think, uh, freedom of expression and, you know, freedom of thought and freedom of writing, all of these things also, you know, would be, because, you know, one of the backlash would be, although, you know, people want to see the truth and people want to know the truth, but people, you know, the whole idea of, of, of freedom of expressing yourself and all these things, what do you say if, if some you know, if someone brings up that point of view? Of course, with regards to facts, it's not a freedom of expression. Fact is what it is, right? You, it, you, exactly. You, you can't manipulate exactly. facts and, you know, but it's it's so, so difficult, you know, to, to spot misinformation. And this has led to, as you were saying, you know, hate crimes and, mm. you know, you know, hatred among communities, people living next door. Uh, you know, would you know would despise one another? You know, and it because just because of something it's so read, easily yeah. accessible. Yeah. You know, things that are there on social media. So I mean, kudos to you guys. You guys do, you are doing wonderful work. And Thank one you. of the things I did wanted to ask was, you know, when you do publish things like, you know, President Zelensky's office was not blown up in recent Kiev strikes back in yeah, I think it was in October. Do you also get backlash on such information or from from such certain circles, or do you think people actually you know majority actually appreciate it? Um, we do sometimes we do get backlash for things that we write, um, which I think sort of comes with the territory. Really, you know, some people um, disagree. Some people 
just don't like the, the facts that we're telling them. But, you know, we don't, um, one thing that's very important to what we do at Full Fact is that we don't ask people to just take our word for it. Every one of our fact checks, we link to the sources that we're using. We explain why we've reached the conclusions that we've reached. And so people can click on one of our fact checks and they can go through the exact same process that we went through and they can check that they agree with us based on that information. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we try and be as transparent as possible um, to to kind of allow that process to happen. And, yeah. and some people, you know, will will still not agree. And, and, you know, obviously sometimes we do get things wrong and, and we're open about it when we do. But mm-hmm. we, we try to engage with people and we try to let them see the evidence for themselves mm-hmm. and just offer the good information and hope that they they sort of understand that that's the right information. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just uh, follow up a question, if you don't mind? Um, do you see religious misinformation as well coming? Because obviously I remember, like, obviously as Voice of Islam, obviously we, we do come across sometimes uh, Islamophobic uh you know, mm-hmm. uh, context or maybe uh, an article saying, you know, a jihadist did that. Whereas, you know, actual fact of what jihad means actually is 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 a is a peaceful reformation of yourself. And mm-hmm. there are you know several uh, original meanings of jihad, and it doesn't mean you go out and you know. I think uh, in certain I think in certain contexts yes. they are doing jihad. Yeah. If you, you know they're, yeah. they're fighting misinformation. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and some people that struggle that they probably have yeah. is. Some yeah. people can refer to it as you know. yeah. So, so I wanted to ask. I mean, is is that also something that you are coming across uh, religious misinformation or Islamophobic or anti-Semitic or or something like that? Uh, how how is that dealt with? Yeah. So we do we do sometimes sadly do come across um, Islamophobia or come across um, you know conspiracy theories that sort of have a grounding in anti-Semitism. Um, and really, the position that we take, you know, we we look at the facts. So we can't um, we can't fact check, you know, an Islamophobic sentiment um, if, if there's no facts in it. You know, obviously that can be reported for hate to Facebook and, and dealt with in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we do when people are making claims about, you know, for example, there was something that we checked at the end of last year to do with um, the number of Muslim mayors in the UK, and that kind of thing. We are able to fact check, and we are able to counter um, the misinformation where we find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have to be something that is verifiable for us yeah. to do it. But obviously there's other other systems for things that are just sort of racist without a basis of, of yeah. anything to fact check. And lastly, before you go, do you think that social media, uh, now's the time that should be read regulated? What is your view? Um, so I I mean, at full fact, we're, we're working closely with the um, online safety bill going through Parliament. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of things that, that we would like to see done to, to just kind of ensure that, you know, it, it, good information is able to be prioritised and that people are kept, you know, away from bad information, that bad information isn't taken um, into people's minds as something that's true. Um, but we do also recognise freedom of speech is a very important thing. Um, and so I think we're, we're very interested in what happens with yeah. the online safety bill. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of different priorities to weigh up. And certainly, you know, where, where information is completely false, we will keep working to, to correct it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Pippa. And, you know, good luck to, you know, the work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. We've only got about sixteen, seventeen minutes more here. Mm. 
So if you've got anything to say, please do call on it, call us here at Voice of Islam. You can, you know, maybe give us your opinion <coughs> in regards to, you know, social media and whether it should be regulated or not. Because that, that conversation is, Safir, is very important yeah. because, you know, there is one side, there is freedom of you know, expression. For, for, for instance, there are certain communities being being uh, being uh, you know persecuted and they're, yeah. not, they're not allowed to voice their opinion yeah you know what would happen then right and um so, uh, whereas on 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 the other hand there, there's misinformation you know uh it's such a hard you know it's such a hard place because yeah i mean that's exactly why now the question is another thing i want, yeah. I want to ask you sorry to to in- interject is the question would be what weren't weren't people being misinformed you know, when social media, media wasn't there through the TVs. Yeah. Islamophobia always existed. existed. Anti-Semitism still exists. Still yeah. exists or even, you know, existed before. Yeah, yeah. So, so by different means, think, yeah. Because I, I'm, I, it's, it's a very hard thing for me because I think social media has also educated people as well. Yeah, there's been, uh, I think, uh, Good and bad, and predominantly more good than bad. People have variety Look, of information. Yeah, you have variety one... of information. Plus, yeah. uh, you have more information suddenly accessible. Yeah. You know, so, and <clears throat> you're quite right that uh, misinformation has always been there, right? I mean, in a religious way, we could also say that that is part a kind of evil, right? Like, look, the in our in our concept, you know, as a, as the Dajjal, or you know, yeah. the concept of the Dajjal yeah. and how how things will be manipulated yes. at the end of time. Yes. The prophet speaking about it, yeah. you know, not not a physical object appearing, but in in a, you know the essence of it being. Yes. And, and when you see through it, that being promoted, lens, yes. yeah, being yes. promoted. That obviously yeah. can require two hours easily to talk about as yeah, well. But absolutely. I was going to say that. Look, the, the it's the purpose of. Of of us speaking about this and purpose obviously of uh, these organizations uh, checking and making sure that people have the right information is extremely important. The very purpose of like Voice of Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Our station is also that to show the true teachings of Islam and remove that misconception that people have the wrong information that they have been given. Like look at the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, right? Which are which is persecuted in some parts of the world because. Yeah. It's because people have been misinformed that Ahmadis are not Muslims, for example, or yep. Ahmadis don't believe in the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings for Allah be upon him, which is mm-hmm. wrong. Yep. You know, we know it's wrong because our teachings are so clear that it's in line with the Islamic teachings. So misinformation is always there. As you mentioned, it was before social media and the modern technology that we have as well. Um, but, but I think now we have the chances yeah, yeah. To, to remove them much more as well. I think it's, it's, it's a very difficult one to balance yeah. the freedom of expression you know, with with uh, with, uh, with the right information, yeah, right, you know, and, and and how these things will be done is is very interesting. But that thing you mentioned about fa- uh, of Twitter, I think, you know, you know the fact checking thing yeah. appearing underneath that is that is huge. Yeah, I've seen it on on because on I've seen certain things. videos from from years ago, and it, it's been posted as something that happened yesterday. Yeah, in trying to instigate certain yes, feelings yes, and you know, certain yes. like you know, if there's people. look, if you know about like police brutality, for example, in America or some issues with uh, uh, racism and there might be a video showing that, you know, somebody's being, you know, uh, um, done harm to or somebody's being uh, oppressed, yeah? So it's so important not to be, jump on that occasion and and be like, oh, you know, this, this, you know, we have to stand against these people. We don't know the facts unless, a video cannot tell you the fact unless you know when it's from, where it was, you know, what's the background? I mean, there's so many things, right? Yeah. So I think for our 
people and especially people who are using social media it's very very important more important than ever before to establish the facts mm-hmm. uh, and and that can be difficult at times as well I think it's, it's, it it can be very very difficult yeah. and imagine you're living in a state of mind where you're always having to because you think it goes to the very fabric of society where lying has become such a norm yeah right it's it's just nobody thinks is uh, exactly where 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 when we and and we we're, we're comparing it to a time when when you know someone goes to purchase a horse mm. right and there's there's an example that really really happened you know in 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 Islamic history where the person selling a horse is saying a lesser price than the one that <clears> wants <throat> to buy it the buyer saying no it is it's x amount of in you know, the price should be this much but the seller saying no it should be less than that because mm. the seller knows exactly why he's saying and then he, he tells him Whatever, whatever it is, or whatever is is with regards to grains. Yeah, like either the Prophet once saw somebody selling mm-hmm. dates, and he put his hands in, and he he yeah. said, "Look, you should put uh, the 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 dates that are of less quality also on top, yeah. so people can see what what is the truth." So imagine to that extent, yeah. if if if, and and that's the thing. I think, you know, policies and all of these things, doing that, you know, proposing laws, and it can never work. Yeah. unless you don't shape societies and and this is the difference which 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 I think the promise of Sayyid Sayyid speaks about this and 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 he says that's the difference between a philosopher and a prophet yeah. that the, the 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 prophet is 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 able to bring about this change in people yeah. in not just in the way of their thinking but in their practices yeah right people who 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 considered it you know a great honor of 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 you know uh providing alcohol to their friends and you know sitting over these you know you know <clears throat> these uh, you know mills and you know but all of a sudden a commandment comes and these people you know forsake yeah. for, forsake it once for all what is it that brings about that change yeah. i think this is a question to yeah. to have and there's a the research needs to take place in that element also yeah 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 right the moral aspect of it because look in that society people came forward to say we committed this crime or we made this mistake That's, you know and yeah. nowadays you know people are thinking oh i hope nobody catches me you know yeah. and i hope nobody sees that i did this so that you you cannot perhaps have true justice in a society if you don't have truthfulness there mm. and and good morals in terms of people being honest with themselves but also honest to other people mm-hmm. and that's why lying in islam is perhaps yeah. the one of the biggest sins so even that's something i think that is really important for us as human beings to focus on to remove those small lies even in our uh, lives so that we can stay away from that type of shirk association and i think that's the yeah. point because if you le- i think if you consider small small you know yeah, lies, such, yes. such, such lies as yes. you know if if you just disregard it, it's just a small lie hmm. when it comes to a big lie it will be the same thing yeah. it just be, it will become a small for you smaller lies lie will accumulate, accumulate and, and, and make you big, exactly you know so uh, so i think this is i think one of the essence of this discussion is is you know misinformation all of this is 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 although all of that is correct but i think the re- the, the deep you know root of the problem lies with 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 the human itself right with with ourselves you know and being able to you know uh revive ourselves yeah. you know be, being be, being able to see within you know and that is the very purpose of contemplating and and pondering of the heavens and the earth and you know all all of that which is mentioned in the Quran and yeah. these facts that I've been mentioning it's not just to be you know be amused by it oh you know a a veil is this much longer and yeah. you know, can eat this much it serves no benefit to an you know to an individual i think one of the persons and I, and i and i remember this because one of the aspects is 
is benefiting mankind. It just goes hand in hand. Yeah. Right. Is there was a person who who basically <coughs> said to the to the to, to the founder of the Hindi Muslim community. He goes. Yeah. He 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 knew the he knew the knowledge of mesmerism, mm. and he said, "I can make this such and such person turn, mm. like I'll focus on him in such a manner that I'll that make him will, turn. Right? He'll yeah, turn and uh, fall or something." So yeah. he just said to him, "What benefit is there in this?" Yeah, yeah. And, and just that simple, you know, statement. Yeah. That how is it benefiting mankind? Yes. He just said that, right? And he he said, "Oh yeah, I mean, it, there there is no benefit if you really th- think about yeah. it." So, so he let go of that, you know, uh, you know that 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 practice, and focused on spirituality more. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. There, there's there's equal forces, you know, you can use them, you know, uh, yeah. and and that's also a, a, you know a, a deeper discussion to have mm. and a deeper topic that w- one can discuss. Yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, the focus in Islam is of intentions and mm. and and uh, purifying of your purifying intentions, nature yeah. and soul. Yes, exactly. I think that's the reason why the Promised Messiah came and founded the Ahmadiyya Muslim community that, uh, you know, bring about that change within ourselves. Because all the issues that we are facing in the world today, where there's, you know, increase in uh, conflicts, there is an increase in dishonesty, evil, um, injustice, yeah. you know, uh, gaps between rich and poor, destitution, uh, climate issues, all yeah. of these things. You know what's interesting for me, the whole, the whole aspect of media training, right? Mm. For example, you know, the whole question of, you, you asked the question, how to best avoid it yeah <laughs> <laughs> right that that is uh, that is avoiding the truth yeah right and there's a whole training of of, of politicians in a way that yeah. you got to answer questions in a certain manner where it looks good it, you know it looks yeah. good or you know or you can it, av- uh, avoid answering the real questions so see so, yeah. so 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 at the end of the day it's you're not going to fix problems with that mm. if you're not sincere yeah sincerity because then, in anything yeah Look, Anything we do, the way in the our politicians yeah. in our religion, yeah. uh, you know, sincerity being we, we yeah. always often speak about is huge. You know, yeah. it's, it's essential. The way that the politicians or the leaders, you should say, or everybody who's a role model in their own sense, right? The way they will act, the people will also think that's okay, and they will also mm. be like that. So then you're doing it to a whole society. The whole society will basically be like that. You exactly. know, just cover up your own fault and just you know lie in a way that nobody can find out the truth, right, basically, Absolutely. just for your own advantage. Of course. However, uh, uh, let's hope that obviously change. Uh, with and I think one of the things that we can discuss this, um, you know, you know, we're not being pessimistic, but, but what we're saying here is we need to begin in our smaller circles. Yeah. We need, we need to begin within our communities, especially within the, ho- the whole emphasis of your household, mm. like your your. You'll you be questioned about, you know, all of you, you know, have a responsibility that you'll be asked for. And, you know, for us and you and me, you know, we know where it starts. We know how we are with our children, with our wives and, you know, with, with our closer clo- closer ones. Yeah. So I think if it all begins there, then it turns yeah. into, you know, smaller circles, you know, boroughs to districts to, to, a, yeah. to, to a national and then, you know, a universal level. It starts individually, it starts with yourself. Uh, exactly. And then it goes on from there. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. Uh, yep. We uh, have been discussing facts today, uh, many interesting facts that we have talked about. Um, if you wanted to share with us any of uh, any interesting facts, then you could always do that uh, at Voice of Islam UK, or you can yep. give us a call. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. So, fact number four. Do you want to say something on that? I mean. Gobekli Tepe is Tur- in Turkey is generally agreed upon as being the world's first 
place of worship predating even Stonehenge by 6,000 years. The massive carved stones crafted and arranged by prehistoric people who had not yet developed metal tools or even pottery are about 11,000 years old. The site consists of a series of at least 20 circular enclosures, although only a few have been uncovered since excavations began in the mid-1990s. Yeah, the Kaaba, of of course, has been mentioned as the first house of worship. So So uh, the question is whether Kaaba has been, there's been enough research done? Yeah, exactly. Uh, So (laughs) we as Muslims know that, yeah, that's that's been mentioned by, you know, that that was the first house of worship Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. for mankind. Yep. Um, And, uh, yeah, so it's um, what we know from Islamic history is that Allah the Almighty has always sent prophets uh, over mm-hmm. since mankind has been there guidance has always been sent uh, to different people uh, throughout different times and I can't remember the was the verse of the Quran actually that talks about this uh, house of Allah I think it's in uh, you know, it says yeah. that, that, that the first um, house made for the worship of, not just for worship of God yeah. but for the benefit of mankind yeah was 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 that in Bakka, which is which is so, referring to Makkah? So I think there's no doubt in that for <laughs> for uh, for us, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's also one thing that uh, you know uh, the the science and the research uh, uh, constantly evolves as well, and uh, new science, new discoveries come that negates the previous discoveries as well. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, that that that's another interesting thing too to uh, look at and uh, you know the the history of Kaaba the history of uh, Mecca mm-hmm. I think is very very uh, interesting and our listeners should definitely look into that as well you find uh, a lot of mention of that in the Quran but also if you look at history yeah. how uh, God Almighty you know uh, put that place uh, gave importance to that uh, yeah. and and to to this day you know uh, people going there and, and doing uh uh, their religious duties. Uh, it's it's a sense of unity that yeah. brings uh, Muslims together. Absolutely, no doubt. I think we've 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 covered a lot in this, uh, you know, program of you know discovering fascinating facts, and I think there's many more uh, that we can bring to you in the next program. But we were hoping someone would call in and you know uh, give us an interesting fact, you know, which which many of us uh, don't know. You know. Yeah. Um, Waiting for that call. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. However, we're coming towards the end of the program. Uh, we'll do this obviously again as well, yep. uh, because uh, it's really interesting to learn uh, different things, and uh, there mm-hmm. is obviously so much to learn. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, our both uh, guests and also our previous guests as well for joining uh, over this time. And uh, um, you know, Rahil, you'll be going back to your videos and your learning yes. <laughs> or mm. your channel uh, I'll subscribe I, I, I to think, that I think I need to do a lot more fact checking <laughs> use, use the software and, and I'm going to use that website I mean yeah. I, I was just looking at it it's, it's, it's actually a very very good website the is it called fullfact.org so you know there you have it so, you, you know. got the whole package ready for you. Yeah, so I think <laughs> I think it's a lot more work than, than yeah. just looking at a video and then going back and you know um, fact checking it uh, it's tough times I mean for for children, you know, easy access to social media and mm. and and all of these things, and I think I think our previous program and this program very much you know, correlates with, with with one another. You know, let's look to nature for, for our healing, right? Let's get out of our houses, 
you know, uh, go for walks, <clears throat> look for simpler things, find happiness in simpler things, and you know, just be a lot more thankful. Yeah. You know, and and as the prophet said, look for look at people who are below you. Yeah. rather than those who are above you yeah. in, in, in worldly terms of course in terms of morals and ethics of always look at people above you and try to learn and you know improve yeah. so I think this is the message you know I would probably leave uh, you know today for people to you know actually take this forward yeah no I think it's a beautiful message uh, it's very very important that we are thankful and have gratitude because uh, there is so much that we are blessed with and sometimes as you said in the beginning we take things for granted so let's enjoy and let's uh, pray to God Almighty and uh, mm-hmm. uh, put our trust in Him Absolutely so here we are we're coming to the end of the program thank you for everyone involved in tech and all those who've you know helped us in you know producing these programs there's a lot that goes behind in making this a success Absolutely I uh, would like to thank the uh, uh, producers for today Nabila Shah and Fariel Janood Nasir uh, for their efforts thank you very much and thank you all for uh, joining in and uh, listening to Voice of Islam radio station uh, join us tomorrow for another live program here on the Drive Time Show between 4 and 6 p.m.